Dissecting, analyzing all the current news affecting Malaysians today, we have Prabha Ganesan, Chief Executive at Kwasa, and also Faiz Zaidi, Research Officer at IDS. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. All right, let's get straight to it, Bell. <laughs> well, our first article is about the tension that is rife in PKR right now. Zuraida, Azmin, Anwar, PKR split into two. What is the story here, guys? Prabha. Well, it's really a classic case of playing chicken in a poker game for national power because it's one party. Mm. And more importantly, the key players in this uh, tussle would be the Sekjen uh, Saifuddin Nasution and also. Also, uh, Zuraida, who hates local government, both of them sit in cabinet. How, how is the case when one is suing the other and they have to sit in the same cabinet room? I don't think it's also not only a national party tussle, it's also a cabinet tussle mm. right now. Looking at how things are right now, though, I mean, like, voters looking at this, people who put them in power are going, what is really happening? I mean, like, we didn't vote you in to argue. We put you in power to make sure that we get the stuff that we wanted done. Well, I think the first thing that we have to understand when this kind of issue arose and the voters will see it, I mean, it will set a mindset in the, the, the perception that this party is not doing well mm. or there's like a very big issue is going on and I think it's not very good in terms of um, reflecting the performance of the government itself or the party itself and or, or maybe the indi- individual MPs itself and the voters will see it as oh I think we need to do something maybe a big changes should be done in this party well I'm not really sure because for the longest time we had a very we have had a very sanitized national politics almost in a, in a way that is seamless there's a prime minister there's AMNO and everyone toes the line today you have the result of a long period of suppression and now we have a vibrant political uh, <laughs> spectrum. It, it makes it interesting, doesn't it? It makes it interesting. Yeah. They say the Chinese uh, probably say, when you live in interesting times, but it's not fun when you're living in it yourself. Yeah. Mm. But Zoraida, she is Azmin's main lieutenant. So this is a proxy war. One might say Saifuddin's doing Anwar's bidding, and one might say that Zoraida is here. And the question is, they're asking whether or not Azmin will back down in order to please the president. But if he does that, where does that leave him? He is having his people. Zoraida is not just one person. Uh, as you can from yesterday's statement from all the PKR MPs in Johor uh, backing her, that shows that it's not necessarily a kind of, there's just Zoraida and Azmin against the rest of the party. It is factions within the party and it's split right in the middle. Some might say even more to Azmin and Zoraida than some might think. Our second article is about higher water tariffs. As we all know, in Selangor right now, we pay next to nothing because of the subsidy. But based on this new tariff, an average family of four will now have to pay about 35 ringgit per month for water. So how will this affect? I mean, 34 ringgit doesn't sound like much for, for a lot of us, yeah. right? But to the B40s, how will this affect that group in the Malaysian public? Brava. Well, of course, it affects Malaysian. I mean, yeah, we have to pay for water. That's the first thing. But that's also it has to be juxtaposed to the idea other idea of water as a basic right. And everybody should have access to water. Yeah. But here when you talk about the political dimension in this issue, it's about state governments wanting to agree to an increase in water because that directly corresponds conversely with votes. So six state governments have agreed to allow that increase because the increase will uh, simultaneously come along with increase of maintenance and also investment in 
into the industry, into the companies, into the provisions of water, because that is a huge issue, especially for Slango and Mlake in the past, where there is no water and everyone gets very upset. But I think for the politicians, the Menteri Besar and Chief Minister, sometimes they would prefer to keep it the way it is and let it be the problem for the next guy. Right. So now, if we're going to be paying for water, let's say there's paying more money, uh, more for water, and they say it's going to be for upgrading of this, upgrading of that, because we've seen pipes burst in, in mm. the past and everything. That means if we start paying now, is that going to fix the problem? Faiz, what do you think? Well, it's very basic. I mean, you see, when there's high demand, and of course, there will be like high high prices. It's supposed to in line with the uh, development of the infrastructure and all. So by paying more, ideally, you should get uh, something that is, uh, the, the infra should be better, the clean water should be available to all. And I think it's in line that, the the tariff, I I think the tariff is fair, but it it needs to it needs to be gradually. It shouldn't be like suddenly it goes very high and yeah. cannot be afforded by this mm. B forty group. Now the third article: Malaysians who will be brought back home from the coronavirus epicenter of Wuhan in China will actually be quarantined for fourteen days upon their return. Said the prime minister. Now, in your opinion, are these measures the best way moving forward for Malaysians stuck in Wuhan? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they are Malaysians and every other country out there is bringing back their nationals back home. Japan, the US, you have it, they bring their people back because they are theirs. I think some of our prejudices come right to the top when it comes to disease. Sometimes the worst comes out of us and sometimes self-preservation also kicks in. But we have to ask ourselves, our nationals and most of them in China are Chinese Malaysians. Is the Chinese Malaysian's life worth less than other Malaysians? Faiz, what do you think? Well, for now, it, it is the best way for us to just bring them back. And then uh, I think Mahade just mentioned that if we are allowed to bring them back by, by sending our plane, and then uh, at the same time, we will be able to send in suppliers of food, medicine, marks, and all. So I think it's good in a way that we exchange something by principle or I would say moral values of human. I mean, when you get something and then you just maybe offer something to help. I think it's good in a way that, and also diplomatically, you are, you are showing that in a way, try to help and I think it's good yeah. yeah okay well as a Malaysian and as a mother and as a wife let's just say my husband is working in Wuhan and stuck there right now yes rationally logically I would want him to come back emotionally as well yeah. I would want him to come back but the thing is right now we don't know enough about this virus to fully say or to to be to safely say that after 14 days in quarantine they won't be carrying whatever sort of disease that they have and spreading it to the rest of Malaysia I mean am I being irrational to think that way well he's your husband and he might be your father to your children but he's also a Malaysian and there are first principles involved here and that is while it's risky and it's always going to be risky but the principle of prioritizing Malaysians is a principle you cannot compromise in any situation given that precautions are taken I mean even astronauts who come back from outer space are quarantined yeah yeah so you got to respect the process. Now, our next article, well, human rights advocates are pushing for more transparency on fake news regarding the Wuhan virus instead of over-policing. As we know, there are about six people who have been arrested so far for spreading fake news on the Wuhan virus. Do you believe that this type of policing for fake news on this matter is fair, Prabha? Well, it's a classic case of using stick to quell poor dissemination information, meaning beating 
people if they tell lies. But the truth be told, in the with all the machi mumbawangs in this country, <laughs> is that there are not enough jail cells in Malaysia, in Sungai Bulo, to keep or in Kajang to keep everyone who's spreading what we consider false news. The long-term solution is engagement. Government has to learn to engage. Well, um, on the fake news itself, I think you know, there's also this argument um, to separate between fake news and also the freedom of speech. I think yeah. we, we really need to see it as different things. And um, fake news can be seen as something that is being uh, misinformed by the people or maybe some someone just trying to uh, separate false news. And I think, and freedom of speech is something that is you are trying to express yourself in a way that to achieve your intention or something or, or, or objective. Yeah, and I think in terms of fake news, there need to be like some kind of uh, guideline or regulation, but not too much. Yeah, because and there's there's so many uh, shades of grey in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. So and just recently in uh, in December, the government has repealed the anti fake news act, and uh, it's a very good step. But we still need that kind of guidelines. What if you read it, you know, on on a Facebook post, for example, of this professor saying that you know this Wuhan virus can mutate seven times faster than the SARS virus, and then Then you got panicked and you shared it with your shared that article with your friends. Is that considered fake news as well? Well, there's poor opinion versus lies. So some people might have an opinion that's not necessarily strong, but that's really up for individuals to decide. Because really, Malaysia suffers from decades of official news by a government that controls information. We have always had a government that chooses its facts, and if it's a government that chooses its facts, why wouldn't it have rakyat that chooses its own facts also? Mm. Mm. So the way forward is about critical thinking, about telling people sometimes just because people are powerful and they own websites doesn't mean they're actually telling the truth. You must decide for yourself. You must be brave enough to think for yourself. And sometimes you must confront other people who tell lies. That's not something people talk about a lot. Standing up to people who tell lies. The crying game, Malaysians' <laughs> dependency on India for onions. Like, why do we import so much onions from India that we have to be dependent on their pricing? Apparently, it was from five ringgit a kilo, and now it's twenty-five yeah. ringgit a kilo. Five hundred percent rise. So, what's going on? I mean, like, well, it's world trade, <laughs> and we don't necessarily get to control prices worldwide. If prices from India, onions from India remain high, then we. Will Source it from other countries, maybe Spain or any parts of the European Union. The issue is, what are we really being upset about? Is it that we have a lack of food security in Malaysia? But then again, Malaysia is a net importer of food. We let that ship sail a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So now we are stuck with the vagaries of the world. The Why can't we grow our own onions? Yeah. Why can't we grow our own <laughs> onions? Well, first of all, I really believe in a guerrilla farming. So I would encourage all tamans out there to plant their own onions in all the empty spaces, even though Majlis Bubar. Andran may not be very happy, but then again, <laughs> end of the day, it's produce that people can enjoy. Because recently, we were—I mean, we've been going out to do this uh, our good fortune thing, mm-hmm. and a lot of, especially housewives and mothers, have been saying, "Oh, yo, the price of onions have gone up and everything." So when you actually look at a supermarket, it's that means back in the day, it was flooded with a lot of great onions from India. Now we don't have it anymore. What is it about Indian onions that is so <laughs> amazing? But this is a great opportunity. Like we we're just talking about it. Like you said, plant your own onions and here, there, everywhere. But there have been 
people saying that oh it's very hard to grow onions it's labor intensive but what business isn't labor intensive I think Tun Mahathir actually said if you want to get rich you want to be a millionaire get into business right so why isn't this farming a thing that we can get back into right now for Malaysia I think for Malaysia we have our own priorities in terms of sele- selecting what we want to grow what we want to produce and I think our focus is not mainly on onions I think maybe we do have something else on palm oil on uh, rubber or maybe in cocoa and I think the government has been doing a lot of program and trainings under the ministry I was previously with the ministry of prime industries under the ministry itself they have Malaysian palm oil board which Cut test um, the trainings, this, uh, the 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 uh, the incentive for farmers to 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 start doing their business, and I think they have been doing a lot of the opportunities is there, but in terms of promoting it to our young people to start maybe on agriculture, I think it's something that we need to figure out. What a lack of yeah. incentives or what? A lack of promotions. All right. Mm. 